Hey everybody, welcome to part 8 of Metallicast Black Summer. This is Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. Now, this is semi-exciting. I say semi-exciting because I have a first-time guest, um, which normally would be all the way exciting, except... um, you know, I hinted at the end of part seven uh, when I discussed Nothing Else Matters with Richard S. He, who, by the way, is always a scholar and a gentleman, um, that I had a little bit of beef with my uh, my guest this week. Um, so I'm not going to give him a real warm welcome like I normally would, but um, I will introduce him nonetheless. Welcome, I guess, to the show... Tommy Production Values Trink. <laughs> well, I thank you for the uh, lukewarm welcome, as it is, I suppose. <laughs> now, you might be wondering, you might be thinking to yourself right now, Brandon, why are you being such a dick? And if you're going to be a dick to this guy, why would you have him on your show? Well, I like to think I'm only being kind of like half a dick kind of how Tommy production values was kind of being half a dick when he left me this review. I'm going to read it word by word for word. This was his review on Apple podcasts. This is the subject. Don't let the production values fool you. (laughs) He goes on to say, (laughs) I love this podcast. Oh, not the production value, so apparently. Um, it may not have the polish of certain other Metallica podcasts. Do you ever think maybe it does not need the polish of other Metallica podcasts? Well, I mean, you are still, you know, you've been doing this, what, a year and a half now? So you're still, like, in the midst of your, of your uh, like, kill them all, ride the lightning era. Yeah. So yeah. you don't need the polish. Well, you should have said that in your goddamn review. <laughs> Um, you know, this, I, I do feel like I'm a little bit in my infancy still. Um, I am a podcast professional. Uh, the more I say it, the more it is true. And, um, you know, Tom, may I call you Tom? Yes. You know, Tom, um, for what I might lack in production values, I can also assure you. I will lack with professionalism. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And if, if I, if I may point out, I do go on to say that your, uh, hilarious antics, especially when you, uh, when you have your cousin on and I don't think I mentioned it in there, but, and also, especially anytime you have Richard S. E. on, um, are total treats, but, um, in general, um, Especially, especially considering the fact that you're by and large going at this solo, um, it's it's really impressive how entertaining and and um, enjoyable you can keep it and you know really get the reader the readers <laughs> the listeners attention <laughs> and hold it with all with all of your you know goofiness and your mustaine voices. <laughs> I've I've got uh, wait. <clears throat> let me calibrate real quick. <clears throat> Hello, me. 
Meet the real me. In my werewolf way of life. There we go. All right, I got it. <laughs> well, I appreciate the kind words. Now, See, now everybody's going to feel sympathy towards you. This is all part of your fucking plan, man. Everybody's going to have sympathy for you. Be like, oh, look it. Brandon was such an asshole to this guy, and he's really nice and complimenting him. <laughs> now, I, I do appreciate the review. But truth be told, more people should be like, Mr. Production Values over here, and leave me a five-star review like he did. That's right. So, um, <laughs> it is your first time being on the show. It's always exciting when I have uh, fresh meat, so to speak. Um, <laughs> that sounded really creepy. <laughs> but you know, hold what? on, hold on. Zip. Ooh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you. That's a that's a little nugget for uh, people who listen to Clint Wells' second podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this. By the way. You have been on Alpha Metallica. You have been on yeah. Mail Up Your Podcast. Uh, not yet. Not um, yet. I did. Yeah, when they announced that they were doing Metal Tales for past shows, yeah. um, I immediately, I may have been driving at the time. I think I pulled over. Um, but whatever situation it was, <laughs> um, I immediately just whipped out my phone and hopped uh, and shot them an email uh, to call dibs on the uh, Big Four show in Indio, uh, Southern California. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and so that uh, should be sometime later this year or whenever. <laughs> right, right. So basically, Tom is a Metallica podcast whore. Um, but, <laughs> but we all right. uh, we all appreciate you. And everybody should be a little bit more whorish and put themselves out there. And come on, Metallicast. Um, and I'll invite you on the other podcast, because what are they going to do, huh? What are they going to do? Make fun of my production values? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, um, I've i I've actually uh, grown to be uh, uh, close to about as obsessed with the Metallica podcasts as I am with the band itself. Um, I've actually, uh, um, I'm not quite sure how much jokingly I thought this, but I definitely considered uh, making... Uh, a Metallica podcast podcast in which I would go through the week's uh, episodes of say, you know, your fine show or, uh, or non-sarcastically. I appreciate um, it. I appreciate <laughs> it, sir. Or, uh, or, you know, and you know, metal up your podcast, Alpha Metallica and um, you know, the quarterly episode of Metallic chat since those guys, uh, <laughs> they've, they've uploaded <laughs> three or four episodes the entirety of this year and they were all in march <laughs> <laughs> well you um, know in fairness to them um i always picture them as more of a march podcast so <laughs> it, it would just feel wrong for them to do something outside of that month yeah you know springs in the air it's romantic yeah. um <laughs> they're all drunk from saint patrick's day figure might as well pound out a few yeah <laughs> Although I did hear on Twitter today, because I, because I was uh, talking with them, apparently they do have uh, have one coming down the pipeline pretty soon. So, cool. Looking forward to the. the I, I will say that's all joking aside. Uh, the cool thing is is that you know there's a handful of Metallica podcasts out there, but in my opinion, we're all pretty different and come at it from a different point of view and different format. Um, so you know it's pretty cool, and they're all. 
I mean, I've not met any of them in person, but talked to them online. And, uh, you know, Clint was on the show last summer for In Summer for All. And just really nice guys. And, uh, uh, you know, we're all in this together. Yeah. And, of course, you were on... uh... You were on Alpha Metallica, right? No, but no, I might. Have... Am I thinking of one of the two or three other podcasts I've discovered because <laughs> of that? <laughs> Probably, but but I, uh, if all goes as planned, I might be on that show in the not too distant future. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Nice. So we'll I'm actually going to Hope... be on it next week. <laughs> Then I'll make sure to unsubscribe for a week. <laughs> Good. Good. I don't want I don't want to subject you to the inherent uh, suffrage that would or suffering uh, that it would impart upon you. So, well, um, think so. It, think of it this way: <laughs> if you're listening to this, chances are you listen to the other Metallica podcast. So, if you like what you hear from Tommy Trink, go and make sure you listen to Alpha Metallica next week. But if you really fucking hate him, <laughs> then you're guaranteed to really fucking hate Elf Metallica next week. <laughs> well, we're recording next week. I don't know when it's going up, but gotcha, uh, gotcha. Yeah, because it doesn't it isn't fitting into the regular song schedule because we're talking about uh, Guitar Hero Metallica. Oh, nice! That'll be a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Wasted a lot of hours on that. <laughs> 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 all right tommy your first time guest time to ask you the question i always like asking first time guests because everybody has a different story how did you get into metallica uh well i mean i was born in uh 1993 and so uh a couple Metallica songs had just kind of been ever it just omnipresent. Yeah. <laughs> like uh you know, you know, like some you know, at some point someone asked me, you know, what, what was you know, can you like do you remember the first time you heard a Metallica song? Which, you know, is probably a lot easier for folks who were, you know, coming of age in like the eighties and like, you know, when when like, you know, the one video debuted and scared the ever loving shit out of them or whatever. Um, <laughs> um which I feel is a hefty majority. Um, <laughs> but um, I will say my earliest memory of a Metallica song is, would be um, surprise, surprise, enter Sandman and, or nothing else matters um, in about fifth grade. Um, I showed a interest in, I was, when I was first showing an interest in music, both listening and playing. Um, and my dad got me my first guitar and he made me, like a like a disc a cd uh of uh for the younger viewers a cd is a physical piece of plastic <laughs> um on which uh 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 songs could be put uh anyway <laughs> um uh, a cd of handful of songs um um most notably for me of which were um nothing else matters and enter sandman um and so and that's kind of really planted the seed initially um <clears throat> and then uh what further piqued my interest was in about sixth grade um i actually went to see them um i was on the madly in anger with the world tour um and they play but i 
barely remember it because I wasn't a fan yet. And so, uh, like, my most vivid memory of it was, like, I remember, of course, you know, the pretty much all the Black Album hits, Fuel, and um, practically shitting myself in fear uh, during the <laughs> intro of what I later learned to be one with all the explosions <laughs> and plumes of fire shooting yeah, up. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but then fast forward a few years, um, I got into high school um, and uh, got into Guitar Hero and started playing. And, and uh, on Guitar Hero 3, uh, one was one of the <clears throat> like last songs you could unlock. Um, and that really started to sink its hooks into me. And then also um, I met this guy who's um, now my best friend. Um, and at the time, Metallica was his biggest absolute favorite band um and so i can mostly attribute my fandom to them to him um right. which is ironic because on september 8th i'm going to be the best man in his wedding <laughs> which is keeping me from going to snm too so <laughs> i think he would understand i i really think if you just said like you could skype in from the show yeah that's what i was thinking yeah well, so if if I could just scrape together like I don't know like six grand to charter a flight, right? Um, you know, dig around in couches. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sell sell my car, the usual. Yeah. Um, then you know the wedding starts at like four thirty. If if I can get them to go real quick, just hop on the plane immediately and get up there. I'm there by seven, and I can and I can see the show. <laughs> Will that work? Probably not. <laughs> you know what though you know what um here's my two cents right i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some fatherly advice right now um you never know if there'll be an snm3 there's a higher chance your friend will get married again <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I, was it? I think it was you that, or maybe some other, <laughs> some other delightful smartass may have said that in the uh, <clears throat> cheap plug uh, in the flick chat. <laughs> that was me. Flick yeah. chat available yes. on the Apple Store and uh, I don't know wherever the fuck else. Wherever you get your <laughs> goddamn apps, download it. See, everybody who comes on this show this summer has been part of this group. It's growing slowly but surely. I think when you joined, we had like five or so, and now we have. Yeah, I was. We, we're over twenty now. We're over twenty. They're coming. Yeah. Slowly but surely. Yeah, I, I actually distinctively remember I was in the middle of listening to one of your episodes, and you said, "You know, we have six people. Number seven's going to come along sooner or later." And I was like, "Dibs!" Uh, and so I opted. Um. <laughs> um but yeah, see now now the group's growing a bit. And initially, I was thinking of the group as a sort of, um, especially since you know we've all been guests on the uh, on the Black Summer so far. Um, I've always thought of us as like a uh, uh, Metallicast Illuminati kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but now that it's growing, I don't think I can justifiably call it that. So, you know, it's sort of like. Um when Metallica released the black album and they were no longer your band, you know, they were the world's band and slowly, slowly Tom, you're going to have to let Metallica go and let the world accept my excellence. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, you're spreading your wings and you're getting ready to fly. And last I checked, I'm only about 2 million downloads away from Time Metal Up Your Podcast. So, <laughs> oh, well, you know, you know, they say they say uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. That's right. And you know what? When Clint and Ethan give up the show because they say, well, they have better things to do. <laughs> I will still be here standing because I guarantee you, the listeners, the Metallica's militia, that I will never have anything else better to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, not to mention just in general, especially since you're general, typically about a you know uh, monthly uh, show, they're a weekly show. They're going to run out of content like four times faster than Listen, you. It's all part of my like, there's, like they're, strategy. They're, they're, you know, how many albums has, has Megadeth put out? <laughs> Metal Up Your Podcast. One every other out, year. Metal Up Your Podcast has put out as many episodes as Megadeth has albums, I think. Ooh. Yeah, I think wow. Megadeth might have an edge on them. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so uh. you're. Your introduction to the band in some ways was the Black Album. Do you remember when you first, like, do you remember your the, your first full, the first full album that you checked out and kind of dove into? Uh, I, I would, I think it was probably the first one I really dove into was S&M. Um, I got into them like fall of 2007. Um and growing up, my dad, um, uh, especially starting from around like 2003 or so, he was he was uh, dating someone who was really into um, Metallica. And so Load, Reload, and The Black Album were all on pretty heavy rotation, um, as well as S&M. Um, and, I, and I think S&M... I went towards first because it's sort of a greatest hits type. It's the closest we'll probably ever get to a greatest hits. Yeah. Um, and then, so I would say somewhere between those four <laughs> would have been my first real deep dive. Um, and then I eventually worked my way all the way back. Um, I can't for the life of me. You know, I mean, you know, it was you know, damn near half my life ago now. Um, I can't remember what, like, any sort of order I went through, but uh, my most distinctive memory is, because I played guitar all the way up, I've been playing guitar since fifth grade, very shittily, um, <laughs> and then when I got really into Metallica, and especially when I got, did my, like, the first time I listened all the way through to Kill 'Em All, and I hit track four. And I and like so many other people, I went, wait, wait, that's a that, that's a bass. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and uh, from then I decided to pivot and started playing shitty bass. Um, <laughs> uh, I uh, it's funny because I feel like everybody who listens to like metal rock wants to be either a drummer or a guitarist. 
I wanted to be a guitarist, um, but I had a friend who played guitar and I had a friend who played drums. And my friend who played guitar was like, we need a bassist. And he's like, you got fat fingers, play the bass. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll try the bass. But then, okay. you know, I get, you know, like getting into uh, listening to Cliff Burton, Anesthesia Pulling Teeth, Orion, uh, those two songs, especially like got me like super into it. And then I just, so from that point on, I just sort of dove headfirst into it. Nice. Um, so when you went back to listen to the past albums for the songs that appeared on SNM, were you just filling in all the blanks with the symphony parts? <laughs> um, like, where, where's the, where's the orchestra? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yes and no. Um, I, uh, I'm pulling up the, the actually the track list right now. Um, there there are a few songs on there that I, no matter what, when I'm listening to the album version, I kind of hum the the orchestral parts. Um, <laughs> it's probably with the number one being like Devil's Dance, um, yeah. or you know, one or two other ones, but uh, that one in particular. Every time I listen to it as much as I love the, the album version and, you know, anytime, you know, our boy Jason gets a spotlight, it's a, it's going to be a fun time. Right. <laughs> um, but those like super high lofty dancing violins in the empty space through the, through the verses is just mm, fantastic. <laughs> well, that might be a good transition into our main subject of this episode we are looking at a black album deep cut if there is such a thing i mean so many people own this goddamn album that um you know you have to wonder if not all these songs are immensely well known but compared to an inch of salmon this is definitely a deep cut i gotta ask you a, a question i'm sorry if i'm getting too personal here but uh are there any wolves out there <laughs> I'm talking about of wolf and man. So I I will uh start off by saying I I'm I'm thinking back to when I first heard um this song and I was very young and I definitely did not pay attention to the lyrics at all. And as I got a little bit older I started focusing in on the words and I was like, Oh, cool. It's a song about werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is one of the, especially, especially if you've listened, if you listen to it after uh, like load and reload come out where you're like, Oh, a lot of these are really introspective. And like, there's, there's, you know, the occasional, you know, you know, double meanings here and there or whatever. And this one, you're like, ah, so you're a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> but it, i i you know i've talked about this i feel like i've talked about this a lot on the podcast uh, but you know one thing i love about the lyrics that james hatfield writes is that very rarely are the lyrics just on the surface and 
once I got a little bit older and wiser and, you know, and kind of reevaluated the lyrics, you realize there's a deeper meaning there. It's, it's, uh, this is not She-Wolf from Megadeth. <laughs> there, it's not truly a song about werewolves. There's a deeper meaning there. And when you learn more about, you know, the, the life and times and, hobbies of one mr hatfield um and i think the lyrics become a little bit clearer as well so yeah. i mean <clears throat> what was your first reaction to hearing this track um i don't necessarily remember um at the time <laughs> um especially on the snm version which probably would have been my first um, my first uh, exposure to it, maybe with the exception of uh, probably something having to do with uh, with Jason's backing vocals, because um, he just his voice just sounds evil, man. <laughs> <laughs> like especially especially during the um the end of the uh, the end of the bridge. <laughs> When he's you know doing the shapes, yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, it's well just Jason's backing vocals. I mean, I could I could talk for an hour just about that. Um, well, let let's let's stop for a moment and talk about that because that's not something that's come up yet on this podcast. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking to myself, you know, he's a very um, I, I think Jason Newstead is. Uh, hands down the most underrated person to play Metallica despite playing yeah. on all these hit songs all these classic albums um, being in the band for years and years and years you know it's easy to overlook him when Cliff Burden came before him and left yeah, such sure. uh, a, a, it, when such a genius leaves um, its mark it's hard to recognize it's harder to recognize his contributions to the bass in some ways um, in that regard. But, you know, to your point, very underrated on background vocals. And I think on, on the S&M album in particular, there's a lot of moments where he really shines. Oh, yeah. Especially probably the one that um, is immediately jumping out in my memory is in um, Hero of the Day. Dude, I was going to um, say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, where they're when they're they're um, harmonizing or they're they're both singing they're singing parallel lines. Um, yeah. At and, the end. Uh, yeah. When they're um, going, uh, "Mama, they try and break me." Mama, they try. That whole yeah. ending part. Yeah. His vocals really stand out there. Yeah. Oh, and especially um, here's the one that w that it was. It was um, on the I don't know. Let's say pre-chorus. Um, <laughs> um, the but now the dreams of waking screams line um, with the uh, the kind of call and response. They almost kind of do a round, really. Um, where you know, with James starts with a but now the dream, and then he and then Jason comes yeah. in. And then they, with the harmonizing on the, above the night. Um, yeah. 
And it just, uh, not only just in general, just, so I mentioned I play bass, but first and foremost, I consider myself a singer. Um, and just personally, even as a singer, just listening to uh, Jason's vo voice on its own, it's great, but he had such a great knack for finding those pockets and, and I mean, this is Metallica we're talking about, and we've got one of the members doing vocal harmonies. Yeah. And that on a live show. And, and that's just, I feel, especially in metal, um, just not something that immediately would pop into someone's mind. Um, right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's some absolute beautiful moments like that, but then there's also, for example, like on uh, Seattle 89, um, where Newstead just sounds like Satan himself, like especially on like the <laughs> chorus, um, on the chorus of Blackened with the um, when he he does this gnarly scream on the uh, on the chorus with the fire. Um, um, yeah, he goes yeah. fire. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a like, little oh, bit. Jesus Christ. This. There's a little bit of like the Cookie Monster death metal vocals like the to what he does, yeah. you know? Must yeah, be the Sepultura yeah. influence or something, the Max Cavalera influence or something. <laughs> Jason at least has the uh the chops for it um as opposed to uh Kirk Hammett who just kind of sounds like a <laughs> um I don't want to say grouchy toddler, but <laughs> it's just there's it's just so it, it sounds like someone that's trying he sounds like someone that's doing a half-assed impression of what Newstead right. used to do <laughs> <laughs> well uh, I was going to say to tie in with that you know when Jason Newstead left the band now there's two people who are trying to cover what one person did before yeah. Robert will also do backup yeah. uh, Jason just has such a strong vocal like he had, it was the the way it was delivered, the tone of it, um, with a lot of performance behind it too. And like you said, you get those key parts and key songs where you can hear the harmonizing, and it's just really underrated. And I agree that you know I have nothing against uh, the Kirk Hammett, Rob Trujillo background vocals, uh, but I feel like they're more there for function. And the it's it I would say if the uh, in the live show the biggest um, the biggest way Jason Newsted is missed are in the vocals. Yeah, certainly, and yeah, Rob does do uh, a pretty good job of of filling it out with Kirk, um, and especially if you listen to like the recordings from uh, live show to like ten years ago versus now. Um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's, you know, done quite a bit of practicing and, and they've, uh, it's, it just kind of sounds like they've worked on that. Um, and yeah. nowadays it is, you know, they are filling it out a bit better. Um, but I yeah, hear a you, huge you hit it right on the head there. <clears throat> yeah. I hear a huge improvement though to give Kirk credit. Like I remember when he first started doing it and it was just, um, it, it felt weird. 
Uh, you know what? You're like fucking Jason Long here with your goddamn animals. <laughs> and I bet you, unlike Jason Long, yeah, I bet you, unlike Jason Long, your dog doesn't have a cool Metallica name. No, yes, uh, unfortunately not. Um, although um, he should be James Pupsfield. <laughs> well, um, I think I, I I don't know how she would like that name. Um, although in hindsight, it would have been fantastic to call her Doris. <laughs> like, oh, holy shit, that would have been oh, because she's large and statuesque, much like Metallica's Doris. <laughs> or, and I'm just throwing it out there. Mustaine. Ooh, ah. <laughs> yes. I, I feel like Mustaine is like a gender neutral name because he is God of all riffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, as many people know, he did write half of Hardwired. <laughs> well, at least half. I, I, I speculate he wrote all of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably just wrote all of it, but the but the uh, the, the, the Metallica is only letting uh, you know their publicist or whomever is only letting the media know that he wrote half of it. Right. Well, I mean, coincidence that Kirk Hammett lost his cell phone with all those riff ideas? No, Dave Mustaine destroyed no. the fuck out of that cell phone. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. He 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 somehow. Figured out what was making all those um, Samsung Galaxy phones spontaneously explode, and did that the curse phone to make it yeah, look you like know, an accident. Well, uh, true story. I'll joke aside. Do you know what caused that? The uh, Samsung thing. Yeah, the, it was the Mustang snarl though. <laughs> every time he did that, a Samsung phone exploded. Yeah, it's like every time a bell rings, you know. And then David also was just like. That's not nice. Why are you doing that? Come on, Dave. Stop. Hey, Shut up, Junior. <laughs> Why do you keep calling me Junior? I'm only three years younger than you. Shut up. <laughs> oh, on, on the subject of, uh, of Dave Mustaine, um, one of the absolute funniest, smallest yet funniest moments on any Metallica podcast was on Metallica chat. They were uh, they were talking about uh, one of them was talking about um, they were working on micro impressions, mm-hmm. and he had one that was uh, he was like, all right, so this this one's uh, Dave Mustaine stuck in traffic, mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> that is pretty perfect. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Before we get too off the rails. <laughs> oh, what? We're talking about Metallica? Of Wolf and Man, to be specific. I kind of forgot. But <laughs> but uh, they started talking about um, the lyrics. And yes. uh, somehow we ended up with Jason Houston background. And then, of course, back to Dave Mustaine. Because Metallica is basically... Megadeth cast at this point. <laughs> this should yeah. have been like a a weekly breakdown of like cryptic writings or some shit. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, but it, a you twelve know, part series on Dawn Patrol. <laughs> 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 
I fuck with that bass line. It's so good. But okay, back, back to the matter at hand. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, on paper, like I was saying, sort of simple lyrics, but when you dive into it, it, it deeper meaning. Um, really, it to me, I'd always... Um, seems like it was sort of Hetfield talking about nature, uh, tying in his love of hunting and being in the wilderness and just kind of stripping it all away. And I think that's a, a theme in different ways that has come up in his lyrics throughout the years. When you look at, um, you know, even on the Black Album, to me, it, it reminded me a bit of through the never when he's you're sort of looking for like answers and getting in connect getting connected to like the larger universe um mm. or you know most recently with uh hardwired to self-destruct it even like a song um like uh spit out the bone where you're kind of just like killing away all the technology and stuff i feel like this has been something mm. that has sort of uh, you know, been in him because it's a large part of him where he just sort of likes to be, he, he's likes things simple and kind of just likes to be, you know, he's a family man nowadays, likes to do his own thing, likes to, you know, take care of his bees and work <laughs> on his cars and hunt. And, and I feel like this is just like, what if we could just get back to like our primary function of being, um, one with the world around us yeah that's i never quite like kind of really looked at it like that um i really like that take though um it you know that all that you know what you just said really totally tracks with talking about you know you know getting back to you know almost kind of saying you know hey at the end of the day we're all animals um right personally i kind of um um, always thought of it as kind of, um, kind of like, um, thematically sort of similar to like, am I savage where, you know, he's yes. you know, playing the role or, or even, um, similar to sad, but true in which, you know, he's, you know, there's, there's the role of the monster and the role of the human. And he's saying that, you know, he's dancing somewhere in the middle, whether it's, yeah. you know, being a literal werewolf <laughs> or, say him with his addictions or or yeah. you know um you know caustic interpersonal relationships or you know whatever um which you know honestly you know is one of my favorite things about <clears throat> hetfield as a lyricist is he's very for a lot of songs he's very closed about what the you know whatever inherent meaning is you know he's he's one of those, he's one of those musicians who really places an emphasis on saying, you know, sure, I may have had a meaning or two in writing this song, but the true meaning of the song is whatever a given listener feels it is. Right. Well, and I and I think that's a large reason why, uh, and I'm not saying other metal bands do not accomplish this, but, um, you know, I think it's a large reason why they've become the biggest metal band of all time, because their songs are very universal. And I, and I think the black album is like the epitome of like universal songs when you, you know, you could, I know because I'm a Metallica nerd from 
listening to interviews and reading interviews and, you know, researching all this crap, I know that why, you know, Hatfield has written a lot of these songs based off what he has said. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can interpret these in a lot of different ways or in a way where they're easily... Um, you can easily interpret them in a way that's meaningful to you, your situation, your own life. You know, like um, uh, in, last week, Richard S. E. and I broke down. Um, Nothing else matters, and I in a, and we had a conversation about are those the most universal lyrics he's ever written? Because on paper they're a love song, but you know you could do it about kind of any kind of bond or relationship or. Um, Anything. Every every human at some point has some kind of relationship and bond with another human being, um, whether it's a parent or a friend or whatever. Right. So yeah. I and I bring that up again only because you know it ties with your point. And I mean, we could sit here and interpret most of his lyrics in a bunch of different ways. Oh yeah. Um, it's funny because a lot of people will say you know given a certain song or poem or whatever um might say you know there's you know there's a couple ways to take it you know there's face value and then there's below the surface but in a lot of these songs and and i feel kind of this one and i mean yeah i could go on mentioning (laughs) tons of others um yeah even just taking a song at face value can mean different things to different people let alone digging deeper and looking at, you know, various themes and, and illusions to other things. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, to tie, well, before I get too ahead of myself too, I, you know, you mentioned, am I savage? That seems to be like, uh, I've heard that mentioned before. It's definitely something I, that came to my mind the first time I heard Am I Savage, I was like, oh, this is kind of like a wolf. And man, like that wolf imagery is coming back. And it's, it's sort of, um, when you look at the lyrics, it can be interpreted like he's doing it in a different way with a different meaning, but that wolf imagery is coming back. And, um, it was something that came to mind too. when you said, you know, a popular thing that Hatfield seems like to do is, you know, he's a monster and kind of like chipping away at that. And for the sake of Richard S. E., I got to mention some kind of monster. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to tie again with your point that the there's when you really look at the lyrics, there's a lot of themes that are repeatedly coming up in his <clears throat> work, but it's just being brought up in a lot of different ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like a lot of people who aren't fans um and or just you know, or even more casual fans don't really notice that you know songs like of wolf of man am i savage various others you know taking it just for whatever you hear um you know basically him going i'm a werewolf or i'm a monster or i'm terrible yeah. blah 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 um you know, it kind of, you know, does sound like, you know, it, it, it's it's the kind of thing that can be easy to write off as just kind of like stereotypical metal song subjects. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But stepping back and looking at it as a whole picture, it's, 
you can see, you know, with with the the just the specific way that Hatfield sings about this kind of stuff, and the specific and how often he talks about these types of things of of you know um, the sense of demonizing oneself um, is you realize it's actually surprisingly introspective. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. You know, some songs he's so, overtly introspective, <laughs> you know, like you right. know, a lot of yeah, stuff yeah, on yeah. the reload, but, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It, two things to that point. Um, you know, I, I feel like throughout their career, when, when you said that, I was thinking, you know, they've taken a lot of, quote, stereotypical metal things and have either done it better or done it differently. But you know, like, worse or the same. I mean, there are, there are exceptions, you know, like if you, if you go down, like, kill them all, there's a lot of more stereotypical, straightforward lyrics than album. Like, there's not, there's not much, uh, there's not a lot of subtleness to, <laughs> you know, hit the lights or, uh, <laughs> We're going to kick or, some uh, ass tonight. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> or whiplash, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, is it an actual whip that you are lashing? <laughs> <laughs> you say bang your head against the stage. Is the stage <laughs> metaphorical? <laughs> and when you say you will, like you've never done before, have you literally never done it? Because... <laughs> Um, you say but we I, are Metallica. <laughs> are you using the royal we? <laughs> but I, I feel like on like kind of ride the lightning on, especially they start taking some of those themes and messing with it. So like when you look at a song like Ride the Lightning, you know the the image, the famous image of the guy getting electrocuted. That that to me is like a classic heavy metal image and of course there's some cartoonishness to that image but when you break down the song it's not that cartoonish it's just a look at like the death penalty or the song you know master of puppets if you look at the album cover you might be like oh that's sort of uh cartoonish and silly and but when you look at the lyrics you know it's much deeper it's about drug addiction and um yeah so they kind of found a way to take right so it's kind of found a way to take you know, popular themes and bringing them into a new direction or in a deeper direction. And, you know, I, I think it's ironic that we're talking about the songs of the black album, because uh, that was sort of the answer to all that, that came before they want to get away from, you know, the typical heavy metal album covers and um, kind of the big bombast that had become associated with, a lot of bands um, in that genre. And I, I feel like if there's any song on the black album that uh, people could interpret as like cheesy, heavy metal, it's probably this song, but like, but it, there's a quote I found from uh, Bob rock. Have you heard of him? Do you know, Bob? Hmm. Maybe. You'd probably did know he, him he best from Dr. Feel good. Let's fucking go to Hawaii. to this day when i picture bob rock it's him with his 
billowing locks of blonde hair in a in a blouse in a, a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, that's a great moment. And they yeah. just like tear him. They like tear him a new one, <laughs> and rightfully so. And he just has to take it and laugh because he knows. <laughs> yeah, because well, he's on their payroll, but also. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, he this was from an interview in 2011 uh, that he did with MusicRadar.com, and he was talking specifically about Old Wolf and Man and its lyrics, and he said this. I'll be honest. At first, I thought it was silly to write about a wolf. I was like, oh, great, a song about a wolf. What are you fucking getting at? May as well write about pyramids or something. <laughs> when metal goes in these kinds of areas, I lose the plot. Then as we got more into James's lyrics, I realized that the song wasn't silly, that there was an earthiness to it. We talked about making the song go through a transformation, kind of reflecting the lyrics. It took a while. I'm not sure if we got there fully, but we got there most of the way. Um, so I, it's interesting to hear that from his perspective. Um, but also, I think that's a good transition to talking a little bit about this song musically. Um, the part that's stood out to me in this quote uh from a music perspective was you know we talked about make the song go through a transformation kind of reflecting the lyrics which is not something i really had um uh, that's not how i've approached this song in the past or kind of re-listened and it, you know there's moments where you can kind of see um where uh what he's talking about in that sense of like if you're literally talking about you know turning into a werewolf and it's sort of like the music sort of a good soundtrack to that happening. <laughs> oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. In, in terms of, you know, the, of, you know, the song itself being the transformation and whatnot, especially during the, um, one of the things I always found very intriguing is, is the, um, you know, kind of spoken word during the middle eight where he's talking about where he says, you know, the the whole like I feel a change back to a better day. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, be be better. What? what? What do you mean by that? <laughs> What's better? What's better about? Are you turning? Wait, are, is that about you becoming the werewolf or turning out of being the werewolf? <laughs> um i i mean i had uh a similar note to that um just about the bridge like i feel like this song musically kind of is in line with the rest of the black album in the sense that it's really largely based off one riff you know it's a very <laughs> simplified streamlined song and like other songs that came before like holier than thou it, there's variations of that riff um and they um but it's really based off one riff um and when they get to that bridge i think they do such a good job of taking the same groove taking like the same guitar parts and just sort of stripping it down before building it back up and it goes really well with <clears throat> what you were referring to which is the spoken word part and then <clears throat> it just you know builds and builds and builds until you're kind of back in the hard-hitting groove section of it for sure um especially um, you know, your note about how they strip it down, you know, it's, it's surprising, you know, what little 
if you know if if you like look at it just on paper, they didn't do all that much, at least on the guitar part, to strip it down. You know, they they all they did was really take you know one measure of just or uh, of just the the da, 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 and then just threw in some nice slow triplets there. Um, yeah, some tight slow triplets, and it's amazing how just you know such such a simple change can truly affect the the vibe you know, well of course especially with the the you know distant um what sounds distant of uh, of of kirk's you know just little just little noodles that he's doing with the yeah just little it, and and it's really just like more to create atmosphere yeah it's really just sort yeah. of I, I feel like his horror movie influence shines through in that part you know they're just Certainly. sort of kind of creating more atmospheric, kind of creepy sounding guitar. Um, but yeah, you bring up a good point. It, and it's something that uh, I think this is really the first album where Metallica is not allowed to let things breathe and kind of have more open uh, space in songs. You know, whether it be literal, uh, you know, six count silence and sad but true, <laughs> right? Before the... Da, 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 bam, right before it comes back in or just in other parts like this where you just have in the bridge where it's just a little bit more laid back not as in your face and it just sort of gives the vocal room to do what it needs to do and i also feel like this is in a lot of ways vocally um the first time where you really feel like james hatfield is almost like truly performing the lyrics like he's almost getting into a character to deliver these lines and uh you know that spoken word part is i think really evident of that and it's something that he would explore a lot more on future records like uh you know ronnie comes to mind on load um where he's just sort of stepping into these like uh into a role of a character in some, in some ways, even if he's singing from first person. And we had not re- we have never gotten that before in the first four Metallic albums. This is really the first time where he kind of is, you know, putting on his, um, uh, I, I would say it's more of an influence from like the old school outlaw country artists that he likes, like Johnny Cash and Will and Jennings and stuff like that. And all those influences came through a lot more on Load and Reload. But I feel like this is our, his first sort of hint of, be like, all right, I'm gonna put on his hat and uh, and you know really kind of just develop this from a performance standpoint. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good um, observation there. Um, yeah, I never really thought about that. It is really is the the first time he just kind of becomes a you know so to speak musical actor um, where he's yeah. playing a character and thinking about it there yeah there's tons of places in in like load and reload you know not only like ronnie like you mentioned but particularly like um prince charming where he's doing this whole tongue-in-cheek yeah. you know yeah, sassy yeah. asshole kind of thing hey um, ma hey ma hey, look it's me um <laughs> stick me out um, <laughs> that's his, and, well that that was that was more the influence of dave mustaine on that record uh, when he composed that song Stick me! Hey ma, hey ma, look at me! Oh Oh, man, 
Oh, I don't know what it is about that. That one in particular translated especially well to Mustaine. Point. You know why? Because I feel like it's a lyric that Dave Mustaine would have written, but except he wouldn't have done it like so much tongue in cheek. He would have written as actually like, "Hey, mom, <laughs> look, <laughs> hey, look, it's hey, me." <laughs> He's actually just doing it for attention. <laughs> yeah. No, well. it's me, Dave, <laughs> your son. Hetfield was probably validate me. Was probably cleaning out an old. An, an old guitar case and found and found that line scribbled on the back of a lyric of a of a half written lyric sheet from Janice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, that transformation in the in the bridge where you know because he he starts you know the that first you know the whole like I feel a change line he's it's very dark and quiet and like kind of speaking yeah. to himself and like he almost sounds like scared of what's happening um yeah. or not not so much scared but you know you, you can almost sense a certain amount of, of worry um yeah. and then you know it builds and Hair builds. stands in the back of my neck yeah. you know like you like there's a little bit of like uh frantic energy you know yeah it's there's a total frantic tick 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 tock energy there um <laughs> and he especially on the last line where he does the the answer sequel and and then he basically basically howls thyself yeah um, and it's just it, it's a tremendous build that they do there that really adds so much to to that already really eerie creepy as fuck bridge yeah totally agree yeah and, uh, you know, just to bring it full circle, the S&M version, I, I think the orchestra adds um, uh, a lot to it. When the I, I re-listened to the, that version today, and the part that stands out to me the most is at the beginning, when Metallic just playing like those hits, like the da da and the strings are weaving in and out, and it's just, to use that word again, frantic, it's just building up to like this frantic climax that uh, eventually it gets to, you know, but the strings really do uh, a good job. And it, it, and you feel almost like you're uh, watching a horror movie, like the suspense is building and something is about to, shit's about to go down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Musically, it, it does very much kind of mirror that, that tension building aspect of the score of a, of a horror movie, um, especially the live version. The strings do so much. Um, I, especially that part you, you mentioned where they're, they have those, those hits on the, um, on what is basically my favorite part of the studio version already, where, you know, you have the giant cacophonous drums and in between those you have on the, on the upbeats, you have them hitting those chords and to, and to, so the drums and the chords are already kind of counterbalancing and accentuating each other. And then they just went, well, let's, let, uh, we'll, we'll see that and raise you an orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fingers crossed. I think this would be a cool one to dig back out for S&M um, I, I, I kind of got the impression that this is my guess. I think those songs that they dig out from the first SM will be more of uh, the hits and a lot more of the deep cut stuff will come from newer material. 
which mm-hmm. I think is a cool balance if that's what ends up happening. But it would be cool to see, you know, them pull out a song like this, um, which has, it, which obviously is not in heavy rotation in their set list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, um, unfortunately, we don't get to play your, your usual guessing game. I looked it up um, already. <laughs> you know uh, what? Get the fuck off my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like to come prepared. And unfortunately, I mean, it is the largest print on the page. <laughs> I, I, I like I like guess who don't do their homework because then I look smarter than them. And that's the whole point of this podcast is for me to feel good about myself because I'm like Dave Mustaine. <laughs> I need constant validation. Mom, look it. It's me. Your son, Brandon. <laughs> listen to this podcast. Hey, Ma. Ooh, ah, look, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mom. Meet the real me. <laughs> In my Prince Charming way of life. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> one of the things, one of my favorite uh, uh, things to say is, is uh, as much as I love listening to Megadeth and, and enjoy uh James Mist- uh, fuck. Uh, Dave Mustaine's <laughs> vocals. Um, I love making fun of them just so much more. <laughs> well, that's my whole thing. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I am a Megadeth fan. Uh, I mean, I've not really gotten to a Megadeth record probably since um, the system has failed. I think that's the last one I got really into, like his comeback that was more or less like a solo record, uh, but they called it Megadeth. When was but it? That would have been... 2003 or 4 mm. around there it yeah. was right it was before it was after they were they went away david elson was not back in the band at that point so it was basically dave mustaine uh and a bunch of studio musicians um even though um uh chris poland does play guitar from the original lineup on the on that mm. album but it, it's a lot of cool songs and then after that, the, the album just gradually lost me more and more and more. Um, and I'm still rooting for a cool new Megadeth record. I just, I, I, I just feel like they put out so many records that it just waters it down. And now a lot of the recent stuff is just a little bit generic sounding. And, it, and not that they have to go the Metallica route and wait eight years in between albums, but um, <laughs> you know, like I feel like if they they could take like their last four albums and probably have one or two really great or at least good albums you know yeah. so we got kind of four watered down albums yeah just you know take those take those four albums put them in a pot on a stove for a while and just let them reduce until you got all the the fatty good <laughs> stuff you know yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, there's really only one megadeth album I'm, i ever really got into and that was uh end game it was like 2010 or so there's there's actually some really good stuff on that. I don't know how much of that is just because I've been listening to it for a long time, um, but I, I would definitely recommend it for anyone who's a fan. <clears throat> I that that's one that I never got heavily into, but I did give more attention to than other albums like around that time uh, that mm-hmm. they released. Um, but back to of Wolf of Man. So you you did your homework. And you, you, you looked this up. 
Um, would you like to say the number, sir? I'll give I'll give you that <laughs> honor. Okay. Um, I mean, we can still do the guessing game, and I'll just guess. Um, uh, not two hundred and fifty-four. <laughs> Not it's not two hundred and fifty four. <laughs> that that would have been my guess. Um, you know, because <laughs> as a guest, my job is to make you look good. Um, yes, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> two hundred thirty three, um, sir. Two hundred thirty three. That's not what their website says. I just looked at their goddamn website. It says two hundred fifty four. Yeah. Hey, hold on. Let me see this. <laughs> Clear your cache. Delete cookies. Refresh. <laughs> um, I'm pulling it Control back out, up. Delete. You know what? Not only did you do your homework, but are you going to embarrass me on my own goddamn show? <laughs> Production values shrink. Oh, well, my God. You know, it happens to the best of us and the rest of us. <laughs> in inconsequential facts such as how many times a song has been played <laughs> i'm oh, gonna lose all my street cred man yeah should i look up the black album's placement on the billboard 200 and steal your thunder again <laughs> <laughs> i did that all right you were right 254 you know what um fuck you <laughs> uh 254 uh, was the correct guess, um, but you guessed 233 because you're dumb, Tom. So, yes. um That's how I remember <laughs> it, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just, yeah. I'll just edit out the rest. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say, going into it, I, I, I did put a guess in my head before because um, I didn't want to just ruin all of your fun. Um, and I would have, I would have guessed a bit more than that because it is a song that a lot of fans like and, and, you know, you know, yeah. you know they liked it enough to put it on S and M and, you know, the yeah. tour for the black album, um, went forever. I don't know if you actually know this, but, uh, the, uh, nowhere left to Rome tour is actually still running. Uh, Oh, it's like the kiss farewell <laughs> tour. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm actually, I'm actually going to that in, uh, uh, in October. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, you know, it's one of those songs that for, I, during, on tour for the Black Home, I feel like the song was on in heavy rotation and it has appeared randomly at high profile stuff like, um, you know, the S&M show. And it is a song that they will dig out once in a while, uh, which is way more than what they do for other songs. Uh, but not, but there's a lot of years in between there. Where it just was not getting any spins. Most recently performed February fourteenth, two thousand eighteen. So not too long ago. Um, and like I said, it'll be interesting to see if it if it uh, creeps back into uh, rotation at all, especially leading up to S and M two. Because uh, to Nick Makoviak's point when he was on the show, I feel like their set list is gonna is sort of a hint as to some of the songs to come in uh, yeah. early September. Yeah, um, especially, oof, and and that's really had my my fingers crossed since they uh, just seemingly randomly dusted off uh, the Unforgiven three earlier on this tour, which they've played, yeah. I don't know, I think less than twenty, probably fewer than twenty times. Um, yeah, and God, I mean, 
if I could choose two songs for them to to have like 100% certainty that they'll play, it would probably be like that. And I know the chances are slim, but uh, Fixer. Yeah, I I mean, I think Fixer is high on a lot of people's lists. Just to just hear live, never mind, uh, <laughs> never yeah. mind with the orchestra. <laughs> yeah, and you know, yeah, there's there's part of me that thinks, oh, they're not going to do it because they've never done it. But there's also another part of me that's thinking, well, I mean, they've they've got to know how many people want it so badly, and I, yeah. and you know, they are a band that likes that likes to do, you know, yeah, toss their their fans a bone every once in a while. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like. I'm really torn on on how likely it is, but I'm just trying not to get my hopes up. <laughs> I know, I hear you. <laughs> um, so we have given our two cents about the song. Before we hear what other people had to say about a wolf and man, anything you want to bring up? Anything we might have missed? Anything we might have glossed over too quickly with <sighs> the werewolf song? Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, let's see. Let me look at my notes. Oh, damn it. I had a great reference that I wrote down and I forgot to pull out. Um, uh, I, I, I wrote, um, you know, in, uh, on the subject of the, uh, those like just cacophonous drums in the intro yeah. of, uh, of, um, uh, the intro of the song where Lars is just destroying his kit, um, with, you know, that sounds like, gunfire going off um I, I wrote, or 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 is that also mistaken trying to break down the door of the studio um, because you uh you guys made that joke on uh on rome on the rome episode i forget what the contact oh yeah but uh <laughs> um and then uh that's about it oh there's um i did note the S&M, the S&M version does lose a little bit of its luster for me because it's a little faster, and so it loses some of yeah. that darkness and and kind of impending doom feeling. Um, but at the same time, you know, the way they fill it out with the orchestra and and um, Jason's phenomenal as always backing vocals, you know, do mm-hmm. great. And also just James's vocal delivery. You know, there's you know on on some of the um, uh, on some of the lines, you know, that kind of bounce around more um, as far as notes yeah. go. Um, <clears throat> there's a couple really well, uh, uh, there's a couple of vocal cracks in there that I don't know if he purposefully did them, but they just sound great. Um, you know, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for a you know well placed uh, uh, vocal crack in uh, in a live performance to just kind of just kind of flavor it a little more. Um, yeah, yeah. Other than that, um, that's about it. The bass sounds great. Parentheses production value. Uh, <laughs> it's another one of my notes. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, Mister Production Value is over here knows all about it. <laughs> He's a leading expert, apparently. Uh, no, but I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing that uh, uh, that still stands out to me about the Black Album as a whole is just how goddamn great it sounds, and mm. uh, it. In, what's funny is 
I was re-listening to A Wolf of Men earlier today, and uh, after A Wolf of Men, the uh, the day that never comes came on, and that was you know over ten years later, and the the day that never comes sounds flat compared to the black album. It, oh. it, it just the 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 drums just like uh, it really stands out when you hear uh, when you hear it back to back. But the drums just sound so beautifully well rounded on the black album. The bass is nice and full. The guitars have a crisp like crunch, and uh, it, it is just something that it's that even ten years after the fact, uh, they did not quite pull off on that particular record with a nice just. Uh, to quote uh, Spinal Tap, there's a great big bottom sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the just sonically, the the Black Album is just so well rounded, and every every instrument was part of a balanced breakfast. Um, and um, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> yeah, especially, I mean, it's definitely an unfair comparison putting death magnetic up against the black album <laughs> Argu- arguably arguably their best and one of their worst produced records um although i do have a tremendous soft spot for uh death magnetic because that was like their first new album after i started listening to them um yeah but yeah so much stuff on 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 death magnetic in particular just kind of sounded like a continuation kind of like if uh if if the uh, the mixing and mastering process of Injustice for All were a little mature, uh, or a little more mature, <laughs> um, yeah, 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 you know, it's not quite as dry and and thin and and high in the mix, but but there's still you know, while Lars's drums do sound you know really solid, I would say on on Death Magnetic, there's just a certain thinness to most of the yes. stuff on it. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. um whereas the the uh, the black album is just everything the tone is just so thick yeah that's a perfectly said um <clears throat> so we had some responses uh on twitter and uh on this thing called flick chat have you heard of flick chat uh this flick chat chatting is it is it about is it is it about movies no, it's actually it's catered around a podcast, and it's a free app. And if you download it, um, you can just enter the code Metallicast, and guess what, Tom? You are talking to the Metallicast militia. Can you believe it? Metallicast militia. Yeah. yeah. It's just like a it's just like a forum, basically, but it's all about Metallica. It's all about Metallicast, and uh, I ask a lot of. Uh, questions and ask for feedback about you know episodes that might be coming up or whatever and then sometimes we just have general talk and uh or complain about not being able to get movie theater tickets or snm tickets <laughs> or any any of the sort um <laughs> but on uh uh on before i get to flick chat on twitter gary mcgorm at gary mcgorm wrote absolutely love this track I wish that the guys would play it live more often. And it's funny. That's something that I feel like came up a couple times here. Um, it, it's a fan favorite. Um, my buddy, your buddy, everybody's buddy, Ralph Savetto. Hashtag yes. be like Ralph. 
He goes, got any wolves out there? Anyway, this is an excellent Black Elm deep cut, which at this point I'd rather hear than the singles. Is that blasphemy? No, I don't think so. Really dig what Hetfield is uh, doing with the lyrics here. So is the song about a werewolf? Kinda, but not really. To me, it's really a metaphor. <laughs> to me, it's really a metaphor about reconnecting with our more primal, natural selves, especially since with each technological advance, we seem to get farther away from that. This kind of subject reappears later on Am I Savage, but in a much more sinister form. You know, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt this, but for now on, I'm just going to record what I'm just going to read what Ralph says and then just call it the episode because I feel like he always perfectly <laughs> sums up everything that we talk about. Oh yeah. And uh, actually that is, I feel like that's a great ad for the, uh, for the great flip chat app, because if, if these, when, you know, back in the, in the, you know, the stone age of, 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 uh, Metallica's militia living on Twitter, you know, yeah. Ralph, Ralph's magnificent eloquence would, be would be interrupted by it being part of a you know four or five plus tweet thread <clears throat> and, and now guess no what? character it's, limits on this app it's true and now it's just in one convenient message i no longer have to click through five tweets to read what he has to say <laughs> and he continues as is the case with the rest of the album everyone's playing really on point here however the song really shines with the orchestra and snm because the simple construction of the song allows it to shine where things are less busy. In addition, Newsted really brings the fire with his background vocals and efforts to work the crowd in more delightful howls. I, I shit you not. I, I, I usually with these things, I, uh, I, I glance over them before I record them. And but, and every time I read Ralph's, I'm like, oh yeah, we talked about. That. Oh yeah, we talked. Oh yeah. I why, why did I think of that? Oh, like he. It, <laughs> I love you, Ralph. Um, yeah. He continues. Uh, in addition, Newsom really brings the fire with his background vocals and efforts to work the crowd and some delightful howls. It's really a joy to listen to the SM version. Wonder if they'll leave it in the set the second time around. Oh, and it's great live, too. Haven't seen performed since 98, though. I have never seen performed live. Uh, but if it's... you were in Flick Chat, you would know that already because you would have read my goddamn message. <laughs> Paul writes. Great tune. I haven't heard it live since 92. I've heard live recording since then, just not been at a show where it's been played. They should play this more often. That seems to be the overlying theme, Metallica. I know, James, you're listening. I know, Lars, you're listening. Kirk, you're listening. Rob, you're listening. Jason, you're listening. Ray Burden, I know that you're listening. They're all listening. <laughs> They're all the listening. The band even members, that, their wives, their children. The guy that did the ticket stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's especially listening because if the Metallica has malicious on anything, we're sketchy <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, play the, the the world, the Metallica has militia, which is basically the world uh, within a, the, the next few years, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the Venn diagram once, of those two things is quickly approaching just one solid circle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Glad to know we're all on the same page here. As we continue our quest for world domination. Um, but yeah. Um, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Um, where it's can. Good to squash a beef. <laughs> <laughs> Until our next beef. Yes. 
<laughs> so download Flick Chat to see when Tom's going to piss me off next. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what would really piss you off next is if I started only using Twitter to communicate with you. <laughs> <laughs> I would... I would just block you, so you would have to communicate with me. <laughs> like, why did Brendan block me? Like, like oh, gotta go to Flick Chat. <laughs> I can, I can, I can see my next review now. Five stars, but fuck this guy. He blocked me on Twitter <laughs> for being a smartass. <laughs> He said I was too prepared. <laughs> uh, besides the Metallicast flick chat, where can they find you online if they were so inclined to hear? I mean, you, you hear how harmonious his voice is. Just imagine how harmonious, like his tweets read, for example. Uh, well, you know, I'm on, on Twitter. I'm, uh, I think my Twitter handle is just at Tommy Trank or something like that. Um, Real original. I, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I looked it up, and uh, 100% of people named Tom Trinkeller have that Twitter handle. So it is really unoriginal for me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't really do a whole lot of – I mean, I have all the social medias, but it's mostly just um, – so my girlfriend can tag me in pictures and stuff. <laughs> um, um, I do have this is this, that's what I do on Facebook. Basically, I just um, on my personal Facebook, it's I I'll go on maybe once a day for like five seconds and be like, oh, somebody had a kid. Cool. <laughs> I don't think I've posted anything in years. Uh, yeah. Twitter though is uh, I I do enjoy the Twitter machine a lot. Um, um, and Flick Chad's about to take over the world, just like Metallicas. Yeah. Oh, um, I will say um, one thing that I totally forget about is I, I do have uh, uh, a handful of videos on YouTube. Um, that's just, you know, search my name, Tom Trinkeller. Um, handful of videos from this, uh, this annual benefit show I sing at. Um, it's called Metal Jam. It takes place in Southern California. All the proceeds go to uh, autism research. Um, and I've cool. done, uh, vocal covers with a live band of, uh, <laughs> um, of, uh, last year I did rapid fire by Judas Priest. Um, but I've also, I've sung peace cells, uh, no remorse, um, and, uh, Rocky like a hurricane. Um, so I don't know if anyone cares. <laughs> <laughs> I care. I will check it out. I'm actually, I'm actually intrigued to. They hear you. I'm sure other people out there are. Um, so look up Tommy Trink. No, he's not at production values. He's at Tommy Trink on the Twitter. You can search him on YouTube, find some performance videos of him rocking out, hopefully with his cock away. Unlike, uh, <laughs> unlike this podcast where I had to just stare at his penis uncomfortably the entire time. Um, thanks for that. Oh, you, by the way. you you didn't want me to. Well, I mean, I was listen. I was operating with implied consent. Listen, when 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 I just be, what kind of app do you think Flick Chat is? All right, we keep it PG. Sometimes PG thirteen. You're making it X rated over here, <laughs> right? Send wait, your dick wait, so to everybody. 
Wait, so Flick isn't talking about flicking? Ah, uh, never mind. I... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you ask for one dick pic, and you think this guy, but you, this guy thinks he can just show it to my podcast naked. You know, it's unbelievable. Hey, I mean, careful what you wish for. I mean, <laughs> you know, you ask for it once, and it just opens the floodgates. <laughs> you gotta be careful now too there's ladies on the flick chat app now yeah but you know uh I don't know I'm so the Sophie response I <laughs> I'll edit one in later <laughs> follow follow Metallicast on the social media I'm at Metallicast on Facebook Twitter and Instagram uh, I'll mention it one more time flick chat Download a free app, uh, search the code Metallicast and join the group there. Um, next week, Black Summer returns with part nine. Only two more weeks left. Three more songs, two more weeks, two special guests lined up. Should be good. Should be good. Uh, who knows if it will be. Should be, though. Should be. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? It could just Should be a train wreck like me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. I'm gonna, I'm, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to have to do some heavy editing. <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically, just like delete your whole part and do it over again. Yeah, it's just it's just going to be you introducing me and then a steady line of beeps. <laughs> I'll just overdub your voice, starring Brandon as. Brandon and Brandon as Tommy Trink. <laughs> you can do that, but exclusively if you have my every single one of the things I say be in David Hussain's voice. Ooh, I'm production values Trink. <laughs> and a Samsung phone just exploded. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Do in all serious though, do what Tommy Trink did and go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five star review. I, it makes me feel good and fuzzy, and I just I have not had one in a while. Uh, and some people are really mean; and they leave me one star reviews, probably because of the production values. And I just want five stars, and I just want you to leave a nice little comment like, "Oh, Brandon is handsome and informative, and you know he's just a great all around guy." and um, if I was a woman, I'd want him to father my children. If I, uh, just something like that. I'm just throwing things out there, you know, uh, just compliment me and leave me five stars. So I'll, I feel good about myself. Okay. And, um, make sure you're also downloading, subscribing. And, uh, I, I need, listen, I need me the DLs. I'm addicted to my download numbers. Um, I, it, it's like crack cocaine to me. And uh, we've been doing pretty well for a year and a half, but we got a ways to go. Let's keep it growing. Keep spreading the word. As always, we're going to end with the cover. Um, there there was one I, came, uh, I stumbled upon and a couple more that were brought to my attention on FlickChat. But I narrowed it down to one. A band called Motor Jesus... This is from the Metal Hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is from Metal Hammer's Tribute to the Black Album. This is Motor Jesus performing She-Wolf by Megan. No, I'm just kidding. In performing <laughs> of Wolf and Man. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Metal up your ass. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, and just for the record, there is zero Metallic albums in the Billboard 200 this week. So, yeah, I'll take full credit for that. Put that in your goddamn five-star review, Tommy Trink. Fans not experts.